land is mine. God gave this land to me. This brave and ancient land to me. children can run free so take my hand and walk this land with me and walk This is a, another episode of Yada Yada Radio. I'm here with uh, Kirk uh, and Dee. Uh, it uh, has been a, an eventful week in uh, Israel. Uh, for those who are paying attention uh, uh, to the goings-on in uh, God's home, where his uh, people reside, uh, two young boys, uh, I don't know if they were five or six years old, cute as they can be. We're driving uh, yeah. through a, uh, a very um, antagonistic uh, pro-terror, Pakistanian uh, town. And uh, for doing so, they were gunned down and murdered at point-blank range by a Pakistanian. Yes. And the settlers that, uh, I don't even know why they're called settlers, but the uh, Jews who live in the area um, responded uh, inappropriately, but um, understandably. And they took the law into their own hands, and with the uh, encouragement and blessing of the new finance minister, and Netanyahu's exceedingly religious and crazed coalition, decided that they would burn the town down. That the right thing to do would be to torch cars and to torch stores and to torch homes and uh, burn the community down. They, they, uh, to their credit, weren't hunting to kill people. They just wanted to eliminate the blight of this place that had um, encouraged so many terrorist acts and murdered um, these two young boys. Mm. Well, it was grossly inappropriate. Uh, we've talked about violence on this program before, and it's something that Israel, who we care deeply about, needs to understand, which is that there's only one justification 
for using anything other than your words. And the words should always be used first, but you do need to know how to speak them. You need to know that there is no such thing as a place called Palestine. There is no such thing as people known as Palestinians. They have no history there. They have no rights there. They do not belong there. And they are doing everything as a community in their power to eradicate Jews. There is no two-state solution. Use your words. Tell the history of the actual Philistines and then compare them to these Arab Muslims. But instead, uh, they, uh, they rioted and uh, killed an individual. I was going to share that the, the one justification is if you are witnessing an individual physically harming an individual who cannot independently defend themselves, and if you are capable of bettering that situation, or if it's your own child or spouse, uh, you uh, can sacrifice even your own life to preclude the individual being physically harmed that is your family member, then you have a right to use violence. You know, if you see someone raping your child, you can grab a two-by-four and knock them dead. What yep. you've done is a good thing. If you see someone raping an innocent woman and you can stop them and you have a gun, you have a knife, you have a club, take it after them. You see someone about to behead or to murder someone else and you have the means to stop them, do so. That is the only justifiable use of violence. Someone comes into your home and you have reason to fear they're going to do bodily harm to your family, you can use physical violence to stop them. But you've got no justification doing as America is doing, going into the Ukraine with all manner of weapons so that we can use them as a proxy to fight and kill Russians. We can't go into a place like Iraq or Afghanistan and kill a million people. We have no right to do that. And these... Jews had no right to go into a community of Fakistanians and start torching the place and burn it down. When you do that, you are no better than the perpetrators of terror. But unfortunately, this government is encouraging those kinds of acts, not Netanyahu himself, but those he, he has partnered with to prevail as prime minister. Here are some items in the news that are worth reading. There is a, uh, they call him a pro-Palestinian activist, not knowing there is no such thing as a Palestinian. He's not an activist, he's a terrorist. He went looking to beat Jews at a New York City rally. He had been arrested and convicted for beating up Jews previously. He had conspired to bring all manner of weapons and Molotov cocktails to kill Jews this time. 
He is on record writing that, well, F all Jews. And he says, if you wear a mask, they can't tell who you are. No face, no case is what Masood wrote. Violence, only violent in Palestine, which doesn't exist. They wish they could smack Jews and not get tortured. We can, though. And yet he is free. The uh, two boys that uh, uh, that uh, hmm. I uh, mentioned that had been uh, killed, uh, Yaakov Yisrael Pali, he was uh, five years old, and his brother was seven. It's uh, oh. worth looking up a picture of them to see what indiscriminate Islamic terrorism does. Those two young boys were murdered at point-blank range by a Muslim simply because they were Jewish. The town, uh, Hurara, uh, it's north of Ramallah. Ramallah is kind of uh, central uh, Israel. Um, so this is definitely above north of Jerusalem. Uh, it became a hotbed of terror. It has uh, claimed uh, the lives of 14 people uh, and uh, well, Muslims in these areas have cleared the life of 14 uh, innocent Jews since the beginning of the year. In fact, I think it's now 16, a dual uh, American-Israeli uh, on vacation was uh, murdered uh, just outside of Jericho. Um, but in this particular case, hundreds of Jewish, they call them extremists, and I would say their, their behavior was extreme. They went on a rampage, that's also a fair term, in Huara, um, and they uh, chanted revenge um, as they burned places down. I'm going to tell you as, as someone looking at this who cares deeply about Israel, that when you do that sort of thing, you will turn the world against you. You already have enough enemies. You do not need more. And uh, Smotrich, uh, who is the finance minister, uh, tweaked here on a Twitter account that he liked the idea of erasing the village of Huwara. That was before the rampage. And he called for the state of Israel to wipe it out. These are not responsible things. Someone like this does not belong in government. It's going to right. cause Israel to be so isolated that this two-state final solution will be forced on them. Abbas, who they like to call President Abbas, um, he was never elected. Uh, even in the one uh, vote, uh, he didn't receive the majority of the votes. And since the time, he's never held another election because he knows he would not receive enough votes even to be able to, to uh, counterfeit a win. Uh, he uh, has now called on the Fakistanian um, 
defense forces who are clothed in American garments and given American weapons, trained in America, given American bullets, that uh, they should now resist all entry into Pakistania by the IDF. Now, the reason the IDF has been going into Pakistania is to route out uh, groups uh, like Lion's Den and uh, other Pakistanian mm-hmm. groups like yeah. uh, uh, Islamic Jihad to uh, put them in jail or kill them before they kill Jews. And it's because Abbas has no credibility. He has no control over those areas. They have completely moved out because they're too influenced by Hamas. And as a result, Israel has to go in with these preemptive strikes and to also find the terrorists who are murdering their people. But now the Palestinian Authority is telling uh, that if they enter our lands, they don't have any lands, don't hesitate to confront them. These are, that it would be armed insurrection against Israel. We are that close to war. One of the most disgusting human beings on the planet, Secretary of State Anthony Bilkin. Bilkin, uh, yeah. Yep, went off and, uh, and decided to do something that America has only done once before to vote against Israel and a UN resolution. They didn't abstain, they didn't block it, voted against Israel. And it was one of those things where even Netanyahu came out and said, what in the hell is wrong with the United States? There was no mention in this resolution of pay for slay. There was no mention in this resolution of the PA indoctrinating their kids to kill Jews. There was no mention of the innocent Jews that had been murdered this year. There's no mention of the fact that we have a history in this land and they have none. There's no mention of the fact that the IDF does a better job of minimizing civilian casualties than any other military in the world. But to this idiot, he went and and voted against Israel. There'll be a consequence of, uh, of that for America, you can mm-hmm. be assured. He was also sitting down uh, uh, next to Lavrov, the, his counterpart of Russia. Uh, and Lavrov, right with him sitting there, said, you know, we knew that the United States took part in, uh, in blowing up the German-Russian uh, pipeline. We uh, told the world they needed to do an independent investigation. This was two months prior to the invasion of uh, the Ukraine. We knew it had happened. It was an act of war. So let's not play around with this pretense that the Russians started this war. It was started by the United States. And old uh, Secretary of State Anthony Wilkin just sat there with his finger up his nose. He had nothing to say. It's amazing how poorly the Jewish. Yeah, how Mm -hmm. badly uh, with Jews in America are some of the most anti-Semitic people in the world. Yes, so the United States, uh, I mean, yes, voted against Israel uh, in a... um, in a condemnation against Israel, 
uh, Netanyahu said the statement never should have been made, and the United States never should have joined with it. Not very often you'll find a uh, Israeli uh, politician willing to be that blunt against the United States. But uh, he said in the one-sided statement, the Security Council ignored Palestinian terrorism, the incitement and financing of the terrorists and their families by the Palestinian Authority, and Europe and the United States contributions to pay for slay, which the UN continues to be biased and one-sided and indirectly gives a green light to Palestinian terrorist organizations. Now, there are a lot of stupid people in Israel. Uh, the religious are the dumbest. Rabbi uh, Amar said this week, he is the uh, head chief rabbi. I mean, Israel must have 5,000 chief rabbis. He's the Shephardic chief rabbi of Jerusalem. And so Shlomo Amar, uh, who is wearing his very, very fancy clothes, oh, he is a dapper dude in his uh, religious outfit uh, and his uh, white beard and his uh, religious little hat. He went out and said that the earthquakes in, uh, in Israel, which are, have been really minor, are uh, wholly to blame upon the LGBTQ plus community. Yep. They are the reason. Uh, It's not me interpreting, he says. It's the language of the Gemara. Uh, By the way, it's not the language of the Torah. It's the language of the Gemara, he said, quoting from Talmudic passages. Quote, God said you are shocking your people for something that is not yours. That's, That's how he interpreted that. But I'm not interpreting it. God said, now he's quoting from the Talmud, and he says, God said, which means that the rabbi who wrote it was God. (laughs) And by the way, as he's saying this, the entire uh, square beneath him is uh, filled with uh, moronic uh, Orthodox Jews. But hey, Judaism isn't the only corrupt religion in the world. Catholic clergy in Portugal sexually abused 5,000 children since 1950. If the Catholic clergy in Portugal sexually abused five kids, it is a tragedy. 50, it is an unforgivable act. 500 in Portugal alone, and it would say, Burn the house down. Five thousand. Country after country after country after country. Story is all the same. The most disgusting organization on the planet. No argument there. There are. um, It's an article uh, written by another uh, Maria. Now, Miriam Pham is her name. She probably has an IQ of three. Uh, she was writing about how horrible it is that females are, uh, are um, being uh, uh, suffering uh, female uh, mutilation, uh, genital mutilation. And, mm-hmm. uh, and she's uh, telling this story about how at 34, you know, they always like to tell, tell a little story to catch your eyes, that there was an 11 little uh, a girl was 11, her legs were spread, her genitals were exposed, 
Her fear stiffened her body. And then there was the pain. Now, whether there was such an individual, who knows? It's just a way that they uh, have been taught to write their stories. Let me tell you what's important. That the number is 200 million. 200 million little girls and women living today had their genitals mutilated by Muslim parents. And this writer said, it is the enriched social norm and, and really deeply rooted in cultural beliefs and sometimes in religious beliefs. She says, sometimes. it is prevalent in parts of Africa and the Middle East and Asia and is performed in communities of different cultures and faiths. 99% of it is one religion. Muslim. And the 1% that isn't that one religion is a form of Christianity that is so immersed in Islam, they wouldn't know up from down, the cops. In Egypt, it is something in the range of 90% of, of women are sexually mutilated. And it's a, it is a growing problem in France because of the growing Muslim population. It is disgusting that mothers participate in mutilating their daughters. But it is what they do. There was uh, discussions over the last week that uh, China is going to uh, be uh, supplying weapons to Russia, which the United States says, oh, if you do, bad, bad for you, going to start a new Cold War. How could you be so inhuman as we send hundreds of billions of dollars of weapons to the Ukraine? But if somebody were to side with uh, Russia and, uh, and the defense of Russia in this argument, they're bad, bad. The United States, good, good. We are such total a total and complete hypocrites. hypocrites. Yeah. Speaking of being hypocrites, two brothers from uh, Pakistan were released uh, this week from uh, Guantanamo. They were held there for 20 years. No charge was ever brought against them. For 20 years, they were held in prison and not a single charge against them. One of these men has a 20-year-old son that he has never seen. That is reprehensible. There is no excuse for it. We only have Guantanamo and other CIA-run prisons and military-run prisons because we can't torture and abuse people under the U.S. Constitution in the United States. Sickening what we have done. Speaking of sickening, now here's just an individual story. There was a woman. She was Muslim. She uh, invited her family to her wedding in Mexico. But her Muslim family kidnapped her instead. They sold her for $500,000 to a Muslim in Yemen. Taken to Yemen. She's now in a prison in the Islamic world in the Middle East, 
Her father said, you are no longer in the West. You are in the Islamic Middle East. Women like you are killed. And the only uh, regret the father has, that he didn't kill her before selling her. The UN is also a really a fine uh, organization. Experts appointed by the World Health Organization have finally begun to investigate allegations that its sappers sexually abused thousands of women during the Ebola outbreak in Congo. Wonderful to bring in the United Nations to see them do that sort of thing. It's awful. The uh, head of... uh, Uh, NATO announced this week that the Ukraine will join NATO, which means there can never be an end to this war. What an unbelievably stupid thing to say. That's crazy. Vladimir Putin Uh, in a speech this week, told the truth, which the U.S. media can't handle, which he said that the war in Ukraine is being prolonged and the death toll is being increased because Western nations, and particularly the United States, are offering weapons to the West to kill Russians. There is one country, and only one, where reality is beginning to sink in and they are beginning in significant numbers to protest the war, Germany. And whether or not they will overturn their country's support of it, I do not know. But I do know that when uh, Biden went to Kiev this week and uh, recommitted that America will continue to supply weapons to the Ukraine for however long it takes, he might as well have said, and I'm here to start World War III. I read an interesting article that sent shivers up my spine um, this this week. Uh, It was written by uh, Seymour Hirsch, the same one that that wrote the Mm -hmm. investigative journalistic piece on uh, Biden uh, planning uh, to uh, blow up the... uh, uh, the Russian-German uh, oil uh, gas pipeline yeah. um, to make certain that uh, there would be a war. Um, and uh, he uh, was uh, making a point and saying this is true of Biden, just as it was true of JFK. And I know it to be true of George W. Bush because he told me personally, even before he was elected, that all presidents, when they get into the White House, the thing that they crave the most is to be a great president. They want to be remembered among the great presidents. Abraham Lincoln, great president. Why? Civil War. And FDR is considered a great president. Why? World War II. They want to be considered great presidents, and JFK had a whole conversation with uh, Lamar Hirsch and and said, you know, I, I, uh, I want to be a, uh, a great president. And, I, and I've studied the history of the great presidents, and all of the great presidents were wartime presidents. Do you think a president 
needs to be involved in a war to be great. And the next breath, he began talking about wanting to start this war with Vietnam and how he began to bomb North Vietnam and send Americans into North Vietnam to start that war long before it was announced, long before uh, LBJ fabricated, knowingly lied to the American people about the Gulf of Tonkin incident, causing the death of 58,000 Americans and a million Vietnamese. JFK deliberately started the war. He wanted to be a great president. His ego got too much of him. Uh, Part of that article, though, brings us right back to the Ukraine because um, in his um, one of his talks with Seymour Hersh, he said, you know, I I get a, a pass on the Cuban Missile Crisis, but the fact is Khrushchev thumped me. His knowledge was so much beyond mine, his rhetoric, his presence, his understanding of the issues was so far beyond mine that I could not measure up to him. And wow. it was an, an admission that, that one of the smarter people to be in the White House, with Biden being among the dumbest, was overwhelmed by his Russian counterpart who was professional versus a, a man that was really good at wooing people with his style. And we're in this Ukrainian war because this time when we played the Cuban Missile Crisis, we were dumber than dumb. And rather than capitulate and realize that world war and nuclear war is at no one's interest, we fanned the flames of nuclear war. Well, that's enough uh, news for uh, the program. <clears throat> I'd like to return, unless you guys have something to add, to where we left off a, a week ago in Hosha, the fifth chapter, 12th statement. No, go ahead. Okay. It begins, and it's kind of an interesting thought. He says, uh, it's Yahweh speaking, and he says, well, I'm like a moth. I'm perceived as something wasteful and fabricated to Ephraim, which represents the uh, ten tribes of the northern kingdom. And much like a fungal parasite or a septic infection, a a ragop, a degenerative disease or dry rot to the household of Yahudah. It's really true. You don't ever hear Yahweh's name. Ever. All of these right-wing religious wackos in Israel, not a single mention of Yahweh's name. Ever. They have turned the rabbis into gods. They said, and God said, reading from the Talmud. God didn't say anything like that. God had nothing to do with the Talmud. Their God is fabricated. God of Judaism, the gods of Christianity and Islam, all fabricated. Much like a fungal parasite. <laughs> have, you ever, um, have you ever looked at a house that has dry rot? Can't fix it. Oh, yeah. Nothing yeah. you could do. In fact, when I was uh, looking at homes uh, 
when I wanted to be uh, near my granddaughter in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, what I found is that almost no one was taking care of their homes. They didn't know how to do preventative uh, maintenance and painting. And you could walk up to any of the doors or windows and put your finger right through them, the wood. Wow. The around them. All of them. Oh, my goodness. And it's all because of wood rot. And what they did is they puttied it in and painted it over. You push your finger right through it. Oh, my gosh. God. And you're going to say, you know, the only way to resolve this is all new doors, windows, and trim. And even if you do that, you have to say, you know how much damage has now been done into the framing of the house with the water incursion? Yeah, that's pretty scary. Well, how's it going to fall down? Who are you kidding? Realtors thought I was crazy. Well, the speaker here is God. So his assessments are valid. His testimony is accurate. And what makes this a it makes this a bombshell? Yahweh's dismal evaluations of religiosity of Yisrael and Yahuda were comparative endorsements when contrasted against the the people's perception of their God. His view of them is that your religion has made you worthless. Their view of him, you're a parasite. Is there any reason that God had a 2,500-year timeout from his people? Is there any wonder that God had to turn to, to... uh, Goyim, I mean, it's, uh, we found out today that uh, our beloved uh, Jackie, she is the, uh, not only the publisher of the uh, Yada Yawa series and chief editor, uh, she is the glue that, uh, that keeps the family um, uh, together and humming. Uh, Jackie is, uh, is Jewish. Uh, uh, Ashkenazi, correct? Yes. Yep. D, you're also uh, Jewish. Uh, I am. <laughs> yep. Uh, and uh, Kirk, uh, your wife is Jewish, I, I believe. Her sons are like uh, 50, 60% uh, Jewish. Her um, sons. We, 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 are, we are very much isolated uh, Goyim. For those Jews who are listening, say, I'm not going to take you know, any advice from a, a Goy. Well, virtually everybody that's part of, of uh, Yada Yawa happens to be Jewish. And God chose a Goyim, whether you like it or not, to convey this message to you because there was none among his community that were willing to do it. Yahweh well, didn't call you the lone Goy for nothing. No, they, I'm the, I am the lone Goy for a reason, yeah. And, you know, and as I continue with Ezekiel, uh, um, for those who have been listening, um, uh, I am now um, in the 44th of 48 chapters of Ezekiel, so nearly done. Um, I'm now in the Babel Babel series, which is uh, uh, both uh, Daniel and uh, Ezekiel, 1,700 pages uh, into this analysis. And um, I can tell you that if we hadn't done this together for the past 22 years, if we hadn't learned as much as we have learned and become as confident as we are. There is no way I could have done this. Um, yeah. Yeah. Ezekiel is really bleak. It is really dark and twisted and, and black. And 
the writing is so dismal. The quality of the communication is so um, incomprehensible. Yeah. Made up words, uh, countless remarks without any verbs, uh, missing pronouns, uh, wrong words in, uh, in the wrong context, uh, it, contradictory. It's just mm-hmm. dark and twisted and ugly and demonic. And it is the most, that's the most uh, anti-Semitic tome I've ever read. Listen, I, yeah, I'm a student sure. of the Quran. I've, I've written probably the best read book there is today on, uh, on the Quran in Prophet of Dome. I am, uh, I'm an expert in Paul's letters, having written four volumes to expose and condemn them. Um, studied a lot of, uh, of Judaism as we were uh, writing uh, the Adiyah series. Um, writing Prophet of Doom, I had to uh, read and study Mein Kampf to make comparisons between Mein Kampf and the Quran, which are numerous. Mm. I've never read anything that demonizes and dehumanizes Jews to the extent that Ezekiel does. To think that Jews are responsible for it being considered among the prophets is a self-inflicting horror. Great. The uh, Jews that endorsed this and placed it among the prophets so that it would be considered scripture by the Christians and by the Muslims who speak a lot of the Gog and Magog war, which is totally fanciful, um, mm-hmm. and used the Gog and Magog war and used the Lord of Babel's depiction of Jews, the rape of Jews. There's 25 different ways to kill Jews, to exterminate Jews in this book. And the new temple is modeled after Auschwitz. It's a death camp. And to think that religious Jews put this piece of trash in the middle of prophets to cause Jews to be demonized and, and to be dehumanized. It's appalling beyond words. And so if you think that I have a disrespect of rabbis, understand where it comes from. Yes. I understand what they have done to destroy the lives of Jews. They are the single biggest threat to God's people. Jews have no greater enemy than Judaism. Not my opinion. It is God's constant and irrefutable conclusion. This happens to be one of those many statements. Israel had come to believe that the stories of Yahweh rescuing them were just stories. The only real God was a waste of time and energy that could be spent around fake ones. And they become great at inventing gods modeled after their rabbis. From Ephraim's perspective, they were a, a brilliant flame, and Yahweh was but a moth bedazzled <laughs> by the brilliance of their sages. As I'm reading the uh, and translating the 44th chapter of, of Ezekiel, it's interesting that the, uh, God makes his uh, third or fourth grand appearance. Um, he uh, keeps on repeating his grand appearances uh, as if he's going to get one of them right. And 
he immediately uh, transitions into an ordinary man. So we have God man, a basis of Christianity, mm-hmm. you know, God man. And you just wonder, how in the world do people make this transition? How do they go from witnessing the brilliance of Yahweh to calling men brilliant, who contradict him, who upstage him? Now, by comparison, Yahweh's great love, Yahuda, saw God as a fungus and parasite. Yahweh was a disease to be avoided. Don't think it isn't true. You can read the Gemara. You can read the Talmud. You can listen to rabbinic sermons. And guess what you will never hear? Yahweh. Not once, not ever. He is a disease to be avoided. It is little wonder that the relationship called for uh, a divorce. Had uh, they been mine, I don't think I would have dignified them with this letter. But Yahweh felt it was appropriate. And so Hosea is the divorce decree. Uh, the, uh, The Torah actually says that if you want a divorce, you write a letter and explain your reasons, and that's sufficient. Goodbye, good riddance. Hosha is that letter. Yahweh says, I am divorcing you. Nonetheless, he is God, and that comes with a number of burdens. Boy, it's a job I wouldn't want. I'm stunned that men play God. God, yeah. Are you kidding? Yeah. One of the burdens is that he must always honor his promises, no matter how undeserving the beneficiary. He has promised to reconcile his relationship with those who view him unkindly. And that includes Yisrael. So let's at least hope that there will be a representative number willing to recant their prior positions. You know, as I uh, wrote the introduction to the most recent chapter of um, uh, for this book on Ezekiel, uh, I stated for the second time that as it relates to the popularity contest that Satan is holding with Jews, that he's winning, he's going to win overwhelmingly. The number yeah. of people that will choose to believe that Satan is God versus those that I can convince that he is not even citing the words of Yahweh and with Dode's testimony indicting such a notion, I'm going to lose by more than a thousand to one. Fortunately, God's not running a popularity contest. Satan and God are not playing the same game. Satan's going to win the most souls, but Yahweh's not interested in the most, just the best. And so all we have to do to prevail is have a handful of Israelites and Yehudim accept Yahweh and be there for his return, for him. Shouting out his name, welcoming him back. All we need. Satan's goal is to have a clean sweep. If there are no Jews on Yom Kippurim in year 6,000 Yah, 
which is just 10 years from now. The rabbinic calendar is full of crap. Uh, Mamamides was an absolute idiot when he put it together. It is very easy to establish a, a calendar and to verify it. Uh, Jackie and Dee have done a yeoman's job uh, on this. Uh, my fact checker, uh, Mike, has also done a thorough job on it. It is very easy to determine what year it is. And we are just now 10 years away from year 6,000 Yah. And when Yahweh returns, Satan knows the date. He's read the, uh, the Torah and Prophets. Oh, sure. He can figure it out. I figured it out. He's smarter than I am. <laughs> he knows when, when Yahweh's going to return. So his game is, if he can convince every Jew that he's God and that Yahweh's not, there'll be no one there for Yom Kippurim, and there'll be no reason for Yahweh to return if there isn't a single Jew willing to accept him. You can't have a day of reconciliations when there's no one to reconcile. He needs a clean sweep. All we need is a handful. And while I think there will be thousands, I think, between Jews and Goyim that are going to be there, welcoming Yahweh upon his return, October 2nd, 622 p.m., sunset in Jerusalem, 2033. I think there'll be 7,000 there. But all we need is seven. And I tell you, we already have way more than that that are part of Yahweh's family. Yahweh has already won. He isn't going to give up on humanity. He's not going to say, oh, there's not enough Jews. I'm going to uh, stay in heaven. Let Satan have the earth. (laughs) But that's his only play. He's got to keep Yahweh from returning because when Yahweh returns, he gets locked up forevermore. This idea in Revelation that he's going to get released in a thousand years is poppycock. He gets locked up forevermore when Yahweh and Dode return. That's going to be 10 years from now, October 2nd, 2033. His entire game is to convince every Jew to ignore Yahweh, to stay religious, to stay political, and be unwilling to accept him. He's going to lose that battle, but he's going to win the popularity contest by at least a thousand to one among Jews and by a million to one. Yeah, at least. In Gentiles. Had Ephraim perceived that which was associated with this malady, this sickness, it's interesting. The. Uh, the word that uh, the religion, u- religious used to speak mm-hmm. of their God and their God's houses and their God's uh, scripture and their God's ministers and their God's book, the Bible, which is based mm-hmm. upon Babel, by the way, same exact root. Seems to confuse mm-hmm. by intermixing. Uh, the word oh, holy. is holy. Oh, holy. Holy. Yeah. yeah, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Holy in Hebrew means... Associated with a, well, the S is associated with. Holy just means malady, sickness, illness, disease, injurious affliction, infirmity, a cause of suffering and death. That's what holy is. So next time you use, uh, it's the high holy days, realize that Mm -hmm. what you're talking about is something that is diseased and sick. 
Yahweh uses the term set apart. Kodesh. Kodesh. Yeah. yeah. Kodesh is the opposite, really, of holy. Um, the, they would call the Bible the Holy Bible. They would call it the uh, God's Holy Church. And things like that are popular. Yahweh's very unpopular. Kodesh means to be set apart, to be uncommon, to be separated from the norm, to be distinct from those things which are popular. There's nothing more popular in human culture than religion and politics. So to be Kodesh, which we must be if we're going to have a relationship with Yahweh, we have to be unpopular. We have to be set apart, separate and distinct from those things. Well, Ephraim, instead, he was holy. And Yahudah is oozing. It's a pustulant wound. Then Ephraim would have gone to Asher, reaching out to the king of the contentious adversary. Asher is a is a uh, as an interesting word because it is uh, based upon a uh, a very important Hebrew word, Asher. Mm-hmm. One of the you know twelve tribes bears that name. Uh, it is a wonderful term in Hebrew. Uh, it means to be associated with, to walk along the narrow and restrictive path to get the most joy mm-hmm. out of life. It's the way to receive the benefits of the relationship. Asher is a verb. It's a preposition. It's a noun. It's a really powerful word. And so what is meaningful to Yahweh, uh, the religious sconed with, and uh, Satan in particular, and Asher is a counterfeit of uh, that. It's, um, it's based on the concept that is used with uh, Mary in the Catholic Church. By the way, uh, Mary mm-hmm. in Hebrew means contentious and rebellious. Um, <laughs> nice uh, term for Sorry. Roman Catholicism. Uh, but uh, uh, Asher is the, uh, the blessed, the ones who receive the benefits, the fortunate and fortuitous is what the, uh, the word means. And yet Yahweh would view them as contentious and adversarial. But this would have been incapable of healing you. This cannot cure you from the infectious disease which ensnares you. This is Hosea. He delivers. Hosea 5.13. This is a a metaphorical statement. The northern kingdom was never circumspect. They reveled in their religious beliefs, and they celebrated their false gods. It actually began before the break between the northern and southern kingdom. Um, Solomon had a penchant for marrying uh, religious foreigners. And to uh, keep them happy, he uh, sold himself out and became religious. That's why uh, you read uh, books like the... uh, Song of Solomon and uh, Ecclesiastes, you know, vanity of vanities, it's all vanity. Um, 
He lost it. He had everything, and he threw it all away. And it was within a matter of years after his death that uh, the northern kingdom split off from the uh, the southern kingdom, and it was uh, but a few years after that that the uh, northern kingdom was no more, that the Assyrians um, gobbled them up and took them away such that they were lost to history. And the reason is they were diseased. They did this to themselves. They reveled in their religious beliefs. They celebrated their false gods. There was no king Jerob and the Israelites did not venture on their own accord to Assyria seeking a cure for what ailed them. Rather, Asher is being used symbolically to convey the alternative covenant, the religious path to anticipated beliefs and blessings. And therein, Malak Yareb becomes the lord of contentiousness, the adversary who was ever ready to beguile and then disappoint. The symbolic language continues, and God says, as a result, I will be akin to a roaring lion, to Ephraim, like a conciliatory lion approaching the family of Yahuda. I myself will tear up or tear apart. Then I will either walk away or lift up such that nothing will rescue or snatch away. It's a uh, sad situation, but God was saying, there's nothing more I can do for you. Had enough. I've roared, I've screamed, I've scratched, I've, uh, I've done everything. I, I just I can't fix it anymore. And with Yehuda, I'm going to try to continue to be consolatory because, well, you know, there's still work to do. Um, this was 750 BCE. Uh, the northern kingdom would be gone in 30 years. Uh, but uh, the southern kingdom would uh, live on, um, and there was work to do. There would still be prophets for the next 200 years in the southern kingdom in Yehuda. And, of course, it was uh, through Yahuda that Yahweh uh, placed his soul in a descendant of uh, Yahuda to fulfill Pesach. So God said, I, I'm, I'm going to have to walk away. There's nothing I can do to snatch you away from this. So, essentially, it's over. So it's a play on words. Uh, an example where similar things convey a vastly different outcome. Looking first at Ephraim, the Satchal lion is roaring. With it, God is shown poised to tear up Yisrael, Taraf, ripping the nation to shreds, and then Halak walking away, because the purpose will have been to destroy. There's nothing worth saving. And for Yisrael, there will be Ein Natsal, no rescue, no redemption. Well, not for another 2,780 years. 
Now with Yahuda, the Kafir lion is conciliatory, ready to make amends. We know this because Kafir is from Kafar, which means to reconcile, serving as the basis for Yom Kippurim, the day of reconciliations. Then as we approach the same verbal chain, we discover that Yahuwah will ane personally, that's me, myself and I, tear off, tear his beloved away from Ephraim, separating them from harm's way while Taraf providing whatever they require. So now, rather than Halak walk away, Yahweh is Nasa lifting them up and carrying Yahuda home. As a result, aim not so no one will ever be able to take them away again. Continuing to address Yahudim, this is uh, Hosha 5.15. It reads, I will go away, but I will return. I will travel about such that I come back to my place until they closely examine and carefully consider the way to receive the benefits of the relationship through their restoring witness and eternal testimony. And they seek my presence responsibly investigating and learning about my parents. It will be during a time of trouble that they will approach by earnestly seeking me, longing to learn about the relationship. There's hope. God said he was going to go away, but he was going to return. He was going away to his place, and he would return to his place, because he has more than one place. The universe is his place. But he left Yahuda to return to Shamaim. And from Shamaim, he will return to his place in Yahuda. And his return to that place, to his home on Mount Moriah, will be when they come to closely examine and carefully consider the way to receive the benefits of the relationship through the restoring witness of the eternal testimony. Odd, which means witness, testimony, and eternal. Mm -hmm. Ashar, which means to receive the benefits of a relationship. Shamar, which is to observe closely examining and carefully considering. Three wonderful words together. And they will seek my presence, responsibly investigating and learning about my appearance, which is going to occur in ten years. Ba, makash, pane, ani. They will have a desire to meet with me, encounter me face to face. It's going to be during a time of sa'ar, of great distress, of being besieged, of being restricted, of being enclosed and confined, of being narrowed as a country through the final solution, that two-state solution that they want to impose on Israel, narrowing the country to about 10 miles wide at its waist where 70% of the people reside be a time of terrible trouble as anti-Semitism is on the rise, as, uh, as Islamic hatred of, uh, of 
Jews is supported by the progressives. The world will turn against them. Europe is already turned against them. America will sell them out in a heartbeat. The reason that America voted against Israel was simple. We're so invested in our war against Russia and the Ukraine, we couldn't have anyone in the Middle East undermine what America is seeking to do. So we'll sell even our friends out to support a war. So it's during a time of trouble. When things get so bad that Israelites, Yehudim, finally recognize that they do not have anyone within their religious and political community that they can trust. Not the liberals, not the right-wingers, not the reformed Jews, not the Herodim. That the world is collapsing around them. They're hated more than any other people. It is during this time of Sa'ar. Yahweh uses it to say this is the time of Jacob's Sa'ar, troubles. Yeah, troubles. That they will approach by earnestly seeking me as they learn about the relationship. It's about as hopeful as anything you could read. Go ahead, Kirk. Yeah. No, I was going to say this. It just screams out when I read it the first time, and every time you're just reading just now, it just screams out Shemar Torah. I don't mm-hmm. understand what everybody's waiting on. He said, I'm going to well, give you a written record. Yep. I'm going to preserve it. I analyzed yep. all the words about the record and so forth, and the witness and this, that, and the other. It's all about the Torah. even the Dead Sea Scrolls, if you like. You protected it. There's a protected document. It's there. It shows up in 48. Nobody knew what to do with it until you came along. We've translated it. We've translated it. Everybody, everybody can check anything themselves. There's not yep. a document in the world that can teach you to understand what the Torah says that's better than this. You don't need anything better than this, to be quite frankly, and to be quite honest with you. It's right here. What's your delay? He said, I'm going to, he, you got a prophecy right here in the middle of it that could not possibly have been known 2,500 years ago unless the Yahweh spirit was writing, telling him what to say. Not only about squeezing away. It's just everything is in this little section. Yes. For goodness sake, now, here's you care about Yah at all, do it now. Yeah, 2,775 okay. years ago. He's saying that, you know, right now, Israel, the northern kingdom, the ten tribes are a lost cause. I can't fix yeah. it. But there is hope with Yahuda. And there will become a time of troubles, of Israel being narrowed and distressed and besieged and restricted and confined. There will be a time like that, which is quickly approaching, when they will actually approach and seek me, longing to learn about this relationship with me, and that's going to occur for one reason. They will closely examine and carefully consider the ways to receive the benefits of the relationship through the restoring and eternal testimony. And they're going to seek my presence as a result. Well, yeah, it's not difficult. <clears throat> Yahweh provided proof 
that he is God in the Torah. His creation account, the account of the flood, the story of, uh, of the exodus from Egypt, um, his relationship with uh, Abraham, this legacy document that we have of all of those conversation and events, all of which can be proven scientifically and historically, the greatest book ever written. And it contains stunning proof, overwhelming proof that Yahweh is God. And that you can trust what he is offering. And then on top of that, he told us how we could go about determining whether someone else was speaking for him or not. If you mm-hmm. take the book of Yermaya or Hosha or, uh, or Yashaya, Zachariah, and you want to know whether or not that was inspired by Yahweh, the creator God of the universe, he gives you a standard to apply Criteria. to. Yeah. Everything that, that is said has to be consistent with everything he's previously said. Everything that is said has to be historically accurate. Everything that is said has to be prophetically accurate. There can be no contradictions, no mistakes, no errors in fact historically or prophetically. No prophecy, it's not from him. Inaccuracy, it's not from him. And so you can go through the, uh, the books. You can read uh, Job and say, no prophecy. Plus the whole tone of the book is inconsistent with Yahweh. Throw it out. You can read Enoch and say, oh my God, this is so diverse from what Yahweh said. This is laughable. Throw it out. Ezekiel, absolute trash. The test was one, make one mistake about either history or prophecy. You have to throw it out. He didn't get anything right. Everything he said was wrong. God made it really clear as to how you can go about determining what he said. So which books to read isn't difficult. You've got a brain. You've got time. Now, I will tell you there is one challenge of the whole thing, and that is that both Hebrew and English translations, and it's funny to say a Hebrew translation, but um, the language that Yahweh wrote destroyed the language. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, these instructions to us and modern Hebrew are very different mm-hmm. um, they they pretend as if the 22 letters and uh, and paleo Hebrew were that were without vowels and you need the Messerites to uh, do it then they create up with a modern Hebrew language without uh, vowel points as if well we're going to ignore that uh, oh there's Five vowels, 17 consonants, and the 22 letters. Um, and the words are very easily defined, both by their pictographic uh, nature of the letters, as well as in context. It's not difficult, but it takes time. And if you're not willing to invest that time, or at least take the time to read the 30 books that are available for you free at yadayad.com and read them there, if you don't take the time 
to read them where at least an effort has been made to translate Yah's words accurately, to convey the message truthfully and completely, and then help people understand it by making the necessary connections to go from knowledge to understanding. You need to do those things. That's why he said, close to examine and carefully consider in the previous statement. Mm-hmm. We've done that for you. You can capitalize on it. You can verify what we have shared because we provide the basis of every translated word. Read it. Learn. It's handed to you. We've been working on this now for 22 years on behalf of the uh, Jews and Goyim that are interested in knowing the truth about God. Getting to know him personally. But it's going to take a time of horrible trouble, is what God said. But he said it's going to happen, and it is going to happen, and it is happening. And we are now just seven years away from the worst of that. The last three years are going to be hell on earth. And it's likely that there will be, you know, maybe three to four years preceding, starting in 2026, that are going to be exceedingly uh, difficult. The reason why I'm equivocating here some is that when you read the uh, um, the texts that we know are valid prophetically, uh, it speaks of this time of trouble, and it's very easy to date year 6,000 Yah, and we know that the next uh, Mikre that Yahweh will fulfill in, dr- fulfill in dramatic fashion, because he is fulfilling Teruah um, in your listening. Uh, is Kippurim, the Day of Reconciliations, and it's going to occur in year 6,000 Yah. Uh, so we can backtrack from that and say, we know there's a period of, uh, of Jacob's trouble, and it appears to be a little over three years long when the, it is the most intense, and uh, it will begin to become particularly bad uh, three or four years prior to that. Um, really, the issue as is to exactly when these dates uh, transpire uh, up to this point, because this is a, a uh, there is no question of what's going to happen at 6.22 p.m., October 2nd, uh, sundown right. in Jerusalem in uh, 2033. It's how far do we dial back from there that the worst of these troubles begin. And... Um, what I'm here to tell you is that if you're listening to this and you haven't made your decision on behalf of Yahweh, then you really shouldn't care. You have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Knowing Yah is uplifting. It's, a, it's, a, uh, it's a freeing. It's enlightening. Mm-hmm. It's empowering. Enriching. It's every positive thing. God asks very little from us, and the things that he does ask from us are all beneficial to us. Walk away from religion and politics. You know, uh, walk to him and along the path he has provided so that he can perfect us, which means attend the Moed Mikre, Pesach, Matzah, Bakudim, Shabuah, Teruah, Kippurim, and Sukkah. Every one of them is a festival feast. It's a celebration of our life with Yahweh, a wonderful party. No sacrifice there. Trust and rely on Yahweh. He's trustworthy. Man's not. Religion's not. Politics are not. 
He is. All you have to do there is gain. Yes. Supposed to examine and carefully consider his conditions of the covenant which are presented in the Torah. There's nothing but benefit to that. The time you spent doing that will be returned a billionfold. And as parents were asked to circumcise our sons on the eighth day so that we remember and they remember to prioritize Yahweh in their lives. And as men, we must be circumcised to attend Pesach, which is the first step. That's the doorway to life to which we enter Yahweh's family. That's it. That's all God asks for us. Doesn't ask for money. Doesn't ask for prayers. Doesn't ask for us to worship him. In fact, has no interest in us worshiping him. Has no interest in us praying to him. Has no interest in our money. He uh, has no rules and no laws. He has prescriptions for living. He has guidance. He has teaching. He has instructions. All of which we benefit from. Why wait? What happens if you pass away before you have the opportunity to make the right call? Your soul squandered. What happens if you make the decision too late to educate yourself to the point that you can share the truth with a loved one and have them join you through eternity, but because you waited, you weren't prepared. You squandered their soul. What do you have to wait? Why wait? What do you have to lose? He's God, after all. He has our best interests at stake. He wants to embrace us. And he's a father, not a lord. Fathers lift their children up. They protect them. They nourish them. They teach them. They guide them. It's what our father wants to do for all of his children. So in this statement, Yah was affirming that he's going to back away and allow Yisrael to do as they have chosen, which is to fend for themselves. Having come to their rescue, having devoted himself to guiding, teaching, and protecting them, God has better things to do with his time than allow them to abuse him. This long intermission would last almost 2,800 years with Israel and within several centuries of that time with Yahudah from whom the last of the prophets would come. Then at long last, Yahudim will emerge from their nightmarish past, open their eyes, they're going to become observant and what should appear? Ad Asher Shamar the opportunity to closely examine and carefully consider the way to receive the benefits of the relationship through the restoring witness of the eternal testimony. Those of us who have already joined the Bereth, the coveted family, who attend Yahweh's Mikre, his invitations to be called out and meet, who are guided by his Torah, which means teaching and guidance, are going to have a ringside seat for the Great Awakening. It will occur during the time of Jacob's troubles, the last 
three, three and a half years prior to Yahweh's return. We uh, have calculated that it is likely that the last two witnesses, uh, the most famous of them being uh, Elia, um, is pronounced Elijah. Elia means Yahweh is God. Going to be here for Passover in 2030. I wouldn't wait that long if I were you because two out of three Jews are going to die. And they're going to do better than the world as a whole. We're headed to nuclear annihilation. It's not God who's going to be wiping people out we do it that ourselves. period. We're going to do it to ourselves. Mm-hmm. The Eth Sara La Yaqab. Eth means time. Sara troubles. La is of. Yaqab is the father of Israel and became the name of Israel, was renamed Israel. So it's the time of Israel's troubles is subsequently explained in the 30th chapter of Yirmiyah, Jeremiah, which uh, we will consider, um, uh, perhaps not in this program, but one uh, next week or the week after. Should you wish to uh, mark your calendars and share Pesach with Elia, as we said, it's going to commence at sundown, be Tuesday, April 16th, 2030. That's a B-14th year, 5997, during the first day of Chag Matzah. Yes, that's a surprise to religious Jews because they think that matzah is the missing ingredient or that, that, that the leaven that would go into bread, which matzah represents unyeasted bread, but that uh, matzah is simply incorporated into Pesach when it's the other way around. Pesach without matzah is counterproductive. Then three and a half hellish years thereafter, addressing the times, times, and times, and half a time reference at the conclusion of Daniel, which I think is uh, being presented in uh, Elia's voice, Yahweh will return to reconcile his relationship with Yisrael and Yahudah. That story is told in the 31st chapter of Yermiah and um, one of the most profoundly important prophetic revelations ever given by God. Yahweh's people will bakash pane ane, responsibly, eagerly seek Yahweh's presence, diligently desiring, here's the parents, Baha Sha'ar during this time of trouble. It is then that Yisrael and Yahudah will shakar, earnestly seek their God, longing to rekindle their relationship with Yahweh. Now Yahweh is directing our attention to what he would subsequently reveal through one of the greatest of the Nabi, Yermayah. This is the, uh, the message that is recorded in the 30th and 31st chapters, so we'll begin this and then finish it uh, next week. It, okay. it begins. Hatabar, the word, which to reveal the way to enjoy the benefits of the relationship. Asher, K. 
came to exist with Yermayah. Yermayah is an interesting name. It was actually written here as Yermayahu for Yahweh. The Yerma means to raise, to lift up, to teach, to guide, to respect, and revere. It's uh, mistransliterated Jeremiah, but it's Yerma Yahu. From Yahweh to announce, this is what Yahweh, the God of Israel, proclaims. So as to declare, of your own volition, write all of these words which lead to the proper path to get the most out of life that I have and will be speaking to you about the Bar El Atta during doing so in a written document so that there is a Yermiah 32. We're doing this program orally to encourage you to read what Yah has had his prophets write. God's overwhelming preference is for the written word. It should be yours as well. I hope this program causes those who listen to read. I know that in the Covenant family, <coughs> all of us <coughs> read and study Yahweh's Torah and Prophets. It yeah. is what we must do to come to know God. No shortcuts. And <coughs> so with the spoken word, it only has a couple of advantages. It's um, easier for people to listen. It's more popular in today's world for people to listen. And so we're doing this program for two reasons. One is that for those who have not read an introduction to God, yada yada, coming home, uh, observations, questioning Paul, the Babel series, or you know all of the series under the yada yada umbrella, we're inviting you to do so. Yahweh's inviting you to do so. And so this is the way of reaching out and catching people's ears to the point that Yahweh can focus their eyes. It's the written word that matters. Why? Because prophecy is only affirmed through the written word. God could have told Yermiah anything or Hosea anything if it wasn't written down there would be nowhere to, to validate it. What is a prophecy if there's an oral report? It's worthless. <laughs> it's so that was the, the value of the Dead Sea Scrolls. They take copies of Yahweh's testimony back 2,200 to 2,300 years ago. So we know what God said way before many of the promises that he made actually transpired. Mm -hmm. And so the written words enables us to do that. By having Moshe write the Torah, we can look through the creation account and validate that the earth and the universe was indeed made in six 24-hour days, which happens to be 14 billion years looking back using earth time because of the relative difference and the flow of time at the event of the Big Bang.
as a witness to the Big Bang. Uh, it's going to divide cool. 14 million cool. years by uh, the stretching of time, which which we now know that the Big Bang was uh, 10 to the 12th slower, and you divide 14 billion years by 10 to the 12th, you end up with six 24-hour days. That's the exact same amount of time relative to the the viewer. You must do wow. these things if you're going to know Yahweh. Yeah, if you read the the flood account in Hebrew, it said it was begun by a deep upwelling of seawater. We found the impact crater, the Burkle impact crater. We found what it did and the fact that it welled up a 500-foot wall of seawater that roared up through Mesopotamia into the Black Sea and uh, out the into the, the Mediterranean. And we know exactly when it occurred because the Black Sea went from fresh water to salt water at that moment, and the waters rose 500 feet. The sediment. All the record, too. This, yeah, yeah. This testimony, yeah. yeah, all the way to it. We know these things, and we can verify them because the words were written down and maintained for us. And so we can see what it actually says. So Yahweh wants to communicate in writing to us because that's how prophecy works. That's how he proves that he is God. Not only because prophecy is not just a prediction of future events, it's an explanation of past events, including creation of the flood, the life of Yisrael, the exodus from Mitzrayim, Egypt. All of these things are verifiable because of the written record. The other advantage is that with a written document, while you can read it seven times faster than you could listen to us speak, your retention goes way up. But beyond that, you can read a document at your pace. You know, I'm sending uh, Kirk and uh, and Dee these chapters that I'm writing of uh, of Ezekiel, even as they're being edited, uh, so that they can mm-hmm. kind of keep up uh, with uh, what we're uh, learning, because it's pretty likely I'm going to interject something that I've learned into this program. And right. they're, what they're able to do is to go back and read it at whatever pace they want, whenever it is convenient for them to read it. And in the written word, because of search engines you can now copy and paste any Hebrew word into a search engine and it will provide definitions for you of that word so you can validate it. Or if I make a claim that this historically or this prophetically is what Yahweh is speaking of, you can verify it. Because we know what Yahweh has said is going to happen, we were able to do things that no one else was able to do. You know, for example, I predicted more than 10 years in advance, exactly what was going to happen with our invasion of Afghanistan and Iraq. And beginning back in 2014, which is now, what, eight years ago, I began to describe what was going to happen in the Ukraine Ukraine. and what it was going to lead to. I'm not wrong. And when I've said these things in the past, it's been a million to one against me. And the million have been wrong and I've been right. Why? Because I know exactly what's going to happen because God explained to us what's going to happen. And if you put the pieces together, understanding is relatively easy and straightforward. It's exactly as God has said it is. But 
one of the advantages is when you write these things down and then they occur, you have a written record that you set it before it happened. Right. And you can, you can validate it, you can study it, you can reread it, you can connect it to other things God said. It is vastly superior. And so what did God say? I want you to write it down, every word of it. And these words will reveal the way to enjoy the relationship with Yahweh. And if you do not see Yahweh's name throughout a document, it isn't from him. And if you see his name, but it isn't consistent, it isn't from him. Because behold, a time is coming, prophetically reveals Yahweh, when I will return to restore the property and possessions taken during the captivity of my people, Yisrael, which means individuals who will engage and endure with God, and Yahudah, the beloved of Yah, declares Yahweh. A time is coming when I'm going to return. Do you know of any religious sect, popular, large, that speaks of Yahweh's return? They don't speak no, of Yahweh's they don't return speak of Yahweh. Judaism. Yeah, never. Never is there a discussion of Yahweh's return in Judaism. There's no discussion of Yahweh's return in Christianity. Not in uh, Islam. Not in Mormonism, Scientology. The progressives don't speak of it. The theologians don't speak of it. But here is God saying, I am going to return. And I'm going to return to restore Yisrael. Because Yisrael represent my people. And I'm going to restore Yahudah, which means I'm going to bring them together and I'm going to reconcile my relationship with them so that we are family and what I gave to them I am going to return which would mean all of Israel. There will be no West Bank. There will be no Gaza. There will be no Ramallah. It will be all Israel again. And there will be enough Israelites and enough Yaudem to repopulate the land during this wonderful time where Israel and the earth are restored to the conditions found in Eden as we celebrate a thousand years of sukkah, of camping out with God on earth. And then I will return them, bringing them back to the land for the benefit of the relationship I gave to their fathers. They will receive it as their inheritance. And these are the words which to reveal the way Yahweh spoke concerning Israel and to Yahudah, not to a Christian church, not to an Islamic mosque, not to a Jewish synagogue, to Israel, to Yahudah. This is what Yahweh conveyed as we heard the sounds of concerns 
over the terrorists and terrorism when there were no prospects of reconciliation or peace. Yirmiya 35, that is where we're headed, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Look what happened just this past week in Israel. Hopeless. My gosh. Two young boys were murdered by a fake Estenian and Jews panicked, screamed, we'll have our revenge. Bloodletting caused led to more bloodletting, destruction, more destruction, hate to more hate. It's not that hate is a bad thing. It just has to be properly placed. And if you're going to hate, do it like Yahweh does with your words. Learn what to hate, how to hate, why to hate, and express it in words, words that are reasoned and thoughtful, that explain why a religion like Islam that inspires 95% of the world's terrorist acts is counterproductive. Explain why Christianity has led people away from Yahweh by creating a fake man-god, doing everything they can to distance Yahweh and Yosha from one another and from Pesach, Matzah, Pekotim, from the Torah. And that how Judaism is the single greatest threat to God's people, they won't even mention Yahweh's name. They've turned their rabbis into God's. Tell the truth. Explain that the people occupying Israel are fake Palestinians, that there is no such thing as Palestine. There's no people known as Palestinians. The last of them were eradicated, first by the Assyrians and then by the Greeks, such that there are none left and haven't been any for 2,500 years. And there wouldn't even be the name. The name wouldn't even be known if it wasn't for the fact that Hadrian, the Torah. one of the great yeah. scumbags of all time, uh, and torturing oh, yeah, Jews, so found out who the great enemy of the Jews was. And one uh, rabbi yelled out uh, the Philistines, so he renamed Judea, Philistina, just to piss off Jews, as he proclaimed that he was God and built a temple for himself on the Temple Mount. Hmm. There's no basis for it, but of course Rome influenced Europe, and so the Europeans came up with this stupid notion that there was a place called Palestine, and they wrote it in their documents that the British had, a Palest- had the Palestine mandate, and the so-called intellectuals and the theologians and the scholars playing God continued to parrot which was a tragic lie by Rome. Easily disproven. And yet they repeated the lie as if it was the truth. And now you have an enraged group of Muslims pretending that Palestine exists, that it's theirs and their land, and that as Palestinians, it is their rightful place so that they are justified in hating, killing, and annihilating Jews, all based upon a lie that is so easily disproven. should hate such things. 
for the damage they do. Should hate Islam for having mutilated the genitals of 200 million women. If you can't stand up against it for that reason, what's wrong with you? How do you claim to be a progressive and not hate Islam for what it has done to women, depriving them of rights, depriving them of even sexual pleasure? What's wrong with you? Why weren't Jews able to confront Paul and say, none of this is true, that there is no Jesus as the Messiah, it's Dode who's the Messiah. Jesus isn't the Son of God, it's Dode who's the Son of God. Jesus isn't coming back, it's Dode who's coming back. It's Yahweh who fulfilled Pesach through Yahusha, which means Yahweh saves. He fulfilled Pesach and Matzah and Bakotam didn't come here to start a religion. He came here to fulfill the Torah's promises. All they had to say is that they wouldn't have deprived their people of eternal life. They wouldn't have created the cradle to which a stunningly anti-Semitic religion would rise to torment Jews. You need to know what to hate and how to hate it to protect the innocent. They didn't do it. And then they created Judaism to counter the rise of this religion and to keep Jews distinct, but in a vacuum of knowledge. Yep. So this is where we are. And uh, clearly, Yermayah knows it, Yahweh knows it, Hosha knows it, Yashiyah knows it. We know it. You should know it too. God is very frank with his people. He said, for the reasons that you have been religious and political and reliant on yourself and demeaning and discounting of me, I have rejected you and walked away from you, but I will return to you. A time is coming when it's going to get so bad. A time is coming when it's going to get so good. Good in terms of the truth being made available to you. Listen, bad in the terms that the world's going to hate you, except this very small group that is communicating my message to you. Listen. And those who do, I will come back to and embrace. And we will live together as a family forevermore. That's God's offer to you. Kirk, you and I have our adoption papers. Uh, Dee <laughs> and Jackie and my wife, uh, Leah, um, they are... Everybody uh, comes through the quorum, though. Yeah, Everybody with, goes uh, naturally born into the uh, the covenant, both by choice and by DNA, and and uh, we are the ones that uh, have our adoption. It all ends up beautifully for all of us, as well as for all of you who are listening, who are willing to respond, yeah. to act upon this. God is calling you home. Accept his offer. He is God, after all. Well, yeah, well, bless. It's my pleasure to be with you here on this Shabbat. Thank you, Kirk. Thank you, uh, Dee. Thank you for really the wonderful upgrade Thank that has been done here to the uh, social uh, media outreach. It's uh, really become a very elegant presentation of what we're, uh, what we're communicating and doing together and the outreach to, uh, to God's family. And, and we appreciate all of the work that everyone is doing in this regard. And congratulations to Miss Jackie for... Um, 
recognizing that uh, she's a member of the tribe. Uh, very soon, <laughs> Kirk will be will be uh, working <laughs> for uh, Jackie and Dee, so let's yeah. be nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that job. Yeah. Uh, Between now and then, let's do our job so that we have as many bosses as absolutely possible. <laughs> So we can go into go. retirement here go. in, uh, in, uh, in 10 years uh, and be uh, <laughs> thrilled to be able to do it. Well, may y'all bless. Have a wonderful Shabbat. Look forward to being with you this time next week. Good night, y'all. Shabbat shalom, y'all. Good night, night.